Hi and welcome. Um, I'm here today with uh, Stephen Wright, who is the Managing Director of Calibrator here in Australia. And uh, Steve's got a long uh, career and history in media and now is helping uh, media agencies better understand their place and positioning in the marketplace with uh, the system Calibrator. Welcome, Steve. Hello, Darren. How are you? Good, thanks. Look, this is a pretty exciting time for uh, media. Don't you think? Because uh, you know we've got more global media pictures than any other time in uh, known history. I think Martin Sorrell said he's never seen the media market so disrupted like it is at the moment. In fact, they're calling it media palooza. What do you uh, think is driving this? Well, what's driving it is the rise of procurement um, in tandem with the rise of globalisation. I think put those two together and. You've got uh, bean counters and finance people in large companies that are now looking to the marketing area across the entire globe um, and trying to find savings. So, you know, you're talking about procurement, but uh, don't you think uh, one of the other issues that's come up is, you know, the complexity and lack of transparency? Because, you know, programmatic buying, I know... uh, uh, a lot of the Americans have suddenly woken up to the fact that uh, there's huge margins in um, software systems. Yeah, and and at the moment there's um, very little awareness amongst marketing people of exactly what they're paying um, and what level of markups are in there. So when asked the question by procurement, they're, they're finding it very difficult to come up with tangible answers as to what they're paying and how much their agencies are making out of it. So, you know, all of this creates an atmosphere um, where there's a a lack of understanding about payment, about margins, about who's making what, um, which is a perfect uh, environment for procurement to come in and make a case for reviews. Yeah, well, because, you know, there was that... um, We've worked on a couple of projects with procurement people for overseas, um, and, you know, they talk about AVBs and, um, uh, and you know, the, the, but the uh, ex-CEO of Mediacom in the US came out earlier this year and famously said, oh, we've been getting kickbacks for years. Yeah, and this is a particular problem in Australia because AVBs don't technically exist here. When AVBs were accepted in all the other markets around the world as a part and parcel of the way business was done, in Australia, we said, no, 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 um, AVBs shouldn't take place. And those extra payments got driven underground yeah. um, where they're legitimate parts of a negotiation in other markets. Now, this has created an enormous problem in Australia because they happen, mm. um, but they don't... Kickbacks happen. <laughs> kickbacks happen, but they don't happen transparently. Uh, as a function of that, we're in this sort of quasi world where everyone acknowledges they happen, um, the extent to which they happen in Australia is determined by the level of probity and the, uh, the, the, um, the whether people are SOX compliant and the level of rigour they need around their accounting. But, you know, in Australia, I think the, uh, the term the value bank was first coined, you know, because when I brought that up with uh, some Americans earlier this year at a conference in the States, they, they were completely blown away by the concept of the value bank. So do we, does Australia have a different type of, uh, of AVB that's called a value bank? Well, AVBs in other parts of the world are specific to client. In Australia, because they can't technically be specific to client, they become large pools of sort of quasi 
value, bonus activity, um, financial returns mm. that are controlled at a group level. Um, and it, Group M were the ones that first term the coin value bank, but all of the other agencies uh, called it something uh, under another name. Um, <laughs> so a different name, but the same <laughs> different thing. Different but, name. But you spend a lot of time with agencies, don't you? Especially media agencies as part of your Calibrator work, yeah? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, Calibrator is about building relationships with agencies, understanding exactly what makes their product tick, um, how they operate, how they market themselves, um, and then uh, and then reflect that in terms of what Calibrator says about their capabilities and how they compare with other agencies. So... You know, there's a lot of these global pitches on. Is this a bit like deck chairs on the Titanic with clients moving from one agency to the next? Is there a big difference? Because, you know, a lot of people perceive that, uh, you know, agents, pretty much media agencies are media agencies. Well, with regard to that, there, there are differences between the agencies. But unless as a client you're in a position where you recognise how you need to change yourself... You can change agencies and the media outputs you will have through the new agency will be no different to those from the other agency. With regard to the agencies, if you look at what the agencies say they can do, it's a very similar story across most agencies. It's less about what they say they can do than how well and effectively they actually deliver that product in market. And that's where the difference is. It's not in their positioning and not in what they purport to do. Right. It's, what they, it, it's in what they actually deliver. So in a way, every media agency does what media agencies do. The nuance is in the way that they do it and how effective they are in doing it. In, in is that how, a fair summary? Absolutely, in, in how successful they are at delivering against that. If I've seen all of the agency credentials in detail over the last few months. And so many of them are talking about territories that are in a similar place. Mm. Um, some are packaging that territory better than others. And all of, the, all of those territories are outlining are exactly what clients need in the marketplace of today. But then you look at the credibility that those agencies have around delivering that superior product and holistic, futuristic solutions for clients. And some of them are really thin on case studies and evidence, and others have got a rich portfolio of case studies that have won awards that demonstrate that this is an agency that can do it. Right. So the trick is in looking beyond what people say they can do and, <laughs> and, and finding tangible evidence that they can actually deliver against it. Sorry for laughing, but it, it, you know, it's typical, isn't it? Every agency can do everything. Oh, <laughs> even if they can't. The of course, answer, yeah. uh, can, can, can we do that? The answer is yes. Now, what was it that you yeah. wanted us to do? Yeah. Oh, some of them, it's very much the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? So yeah, yeah. They're, they're never going to say there's anything they can't do. They're never going to admit that they can't do anything well. But isn't this one of the problems? You know, you mentioned earlier that the, all these media, global media pitches are being driven by procurement looking for you know, better pricing and be- a lower cost. But isn't one of the things working against them is the fact that media, I mean, you've worked in media for 20, almost 30 years, Mm. you know, Um, media in the last 10 years has become incredibly complex, hasn't it? And because global pitches, global media pitches are really complicated and they're driven primarily by procurement and consultants working in tandem with procurement, 
there is a need for templates and there's a need for massive amounts of numbers, both numeric, both remuneration and trading numbers. And they start to overpower and dominate the pitch process. Now, they're the very things that you should be looking at, putting to one side and then moving beyond to find out who can truly work um, for you with your client needs and take you to a better place in the media area because it's all of the qualitative things that are most important. It's all of the richness of delivery. It's all of the collaboration with creative partners to deliver whole solutions that are what will deliver media value. And those are all of the things that are, are completely lost in a global pitch. You've just reminded me, because everyone talks about, you know, uh, programmatic buying and demand-side platforms and trading desks, and, you know, it's all about the technology. But ultimately, all of these tools, in, in quotes, are only as good as the people that are actually using them, aren't they? You, yeah, they're only as good as the people who are using them, and they're only as good as the core ideas and the quality of the initial thinking on the business. The quality of the analysis of what it is that's going to make a difference to this product and the brand and how you can make a difference in terms of how it's perceived and how it's and the frequency with which it's purchased by consumers. So Steve, what stops media agencies? Is it the complexity or is it just, you know, their lack of ability or is it, you know, their, their uh, shy retiring little things that, you know, stop them getting out there and clearly articulating the things that they have to offer to their clients? Because, you know, there's many times that I've experienced uh, clients saying, we need to find a new media agency. And when you you delve into why, it's actually something that their, their existing media agency can provide them. There are a number of problems. The first problem is financial. It's simply getting the headcount from your global head office to deliver a, a good service at the level that a good media product needs. The second thing is finding good media people who can do it. Mm -hmm. The shortage of talent. There are far more ordinary people in the industry than good people. And then beyond that, you need systems um, for thinking and for process, and you need systems for understanding data and information and uh, optimising the use of that data. So you need a complete package, and there's so many agencies you know, fall down on one area or another. Some fall down on every element in terms of delivery. Um, Other agencies just don't quite sort of get this aspect right or get that aspect right. But I would say that probably the biggest problem of all is funding. Uh, All of the media agencies uh, have profit levels demanded of them. You have heads of the global groups like Martin Sorrell making announcements that, uh, you know, 2015 is going to be the year when he manages uh, staffing efficiencies on his business. (laughs) You've got all the the Group M agencies here, um, the CEOs feeling that they're running their business on a shoestring. And then your global head says that staff numbers are going to be looked at. Um, because he feels like the the, the company is running... And that's the same for every holding company, isn't it? Yeah, they're all run to actually deliver a profit to the shareholders. As the industry has got more complex, the pressure on staffing has grown. So you've got things that are moving in opposite directions um, that are making it very difficult for agencies to deliver a media product. In this marketplace, the agencies 
I see as delivering the strongest products are those where there is commitment from global management to invest in that agency and allow them to staff with good people at the levels required. And those agencies are the ones that are performing and they're winning business and they are actually proving that strategy to work because they're generating strong returns. So, sorry, sorry, um, just picking up on something there, you said global, you know, have got global commitments because, you know, a lot of people locally are saying things like, oh, it's the independents, you know, it's like the independent agencies win all the awards, you know, media agency of the year and seems to go to the independents. What is it that the independents, why do you think they're so flavour of the month as far as awards go? And yet, you know, your feeling is that the globals, if they're properly aligned and properly focused on delivering, actually outperform them. What's happening there? Well, I think a lot of the the global agencies in this marketplace make the independents look good by being so bland Mm -hmm. and delivering such a vanilla service. Um, It's very easy for an independent to create a point of difference in the marketplace um, because the, uh, the, the, the large global agencies allow them to do that. The independents are normally sort of set up and founded by very senior people in the industry who are capable, who have presence, kudos and reputation, and they feed that into their independent agency that becomes a part of their culture. So they have more personality. Mm. So when you look at the Agency of the Year Awards, um, the beauty parades, they're the ones that have most superficial appeal and they do come through and they do win a lot of those. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was asked that question, I think it was after the Mumbrella Awards this year, and I said, well, the thing about an independent is that the founder is actually the person making the decisions and understands the impact on their finances. Yeah. You know, they'll go that extra mile to deliver customer service because they know that that will pay off long term. But uh, from what you're saying, you know, in, in some of the big global networks, the pressure is overwhelming to hit your numbers before you can even take into consideration investing back into your client for a payoff that could be in six months or 12 months' time. Is that a fair summary? There's very often a chicken and egg conversation whereby the CEO will ask for more investment Mm. and the finance director up in Singapore will say, that's fine, win the business, we'll provide you with the money. Um, And it's just really difficult to win business ahead of the investment in getting the people on the ground, the quality of people on the ground and the number of people on the ground. Mm. Um, So it's a challenge. It's a challenge that a lot of agency CEOs are struggling with in this market. But there's also uh, the thing working against the independents, and, and I think we've talked about this, you and I previously, is that this technology advancement in media is a big investment. So, you know, we've seen some of the local independents struggle because, you know, the the globally aligned or the global networks can afford to amortise that investment across, you know, multiple offices, whereas the locals really have to, you know, pull pull all the purse strings to be able to match or even play in that technology game, don't they? Yeah. Look, in theory, all of the agencies down here in Australia or the global groups have tremendously adept systems that Mm. should put them in advantage. The reality is um, not many of those agency groups have got those systems up and running, fully functioning here Mm. in Australia 
with Australian data delivering value to clients in this marketplace. A lot of them talk... Smoke and mirrors? Smoke and mirrors. Uh, there was a, a, a meeting, a pitch meeting uh, in 2014 where an agency put up a long list of systems to impress a potential client um, and wasn't aware that there was someone in the room who was very, very interested in systems, was uh, uh, a, a, a bit of a computer and systems nut and stopped and paused on this long list that the agency was bragging about, went down the list and started picking out one or two of the systems and asking what they did, picked out one particular system um, asked what it did, and there was a stunned silence from the agency personnel <laughs> around the room. And then the CEO turned to the head of strategies and said, uh, doesn't that do so-and-so? <laughs> so and so they had a tool in their toolbox that no one actually knew what it did. They put up this impressive <laughs> list of tools, um, and they had, had no idea what some of them did, and some of them didn't actually operate and exist in this marketplace. Unbelievable. Look, the, the, there are ways in which the independents could get around it. There was one independent agency who's performed particularly well of late in a pitch where there was a question and a task set. How long would it take you to get this up and running, which is um, interpretation of data and the ability to take that data interpreted and feed it back into the uh, advertising program and the large agencies involved in the pitch said four to six months and they were crossing their fingers at the time because uh, they know they knew how long these things take and a small independent agency who had a, a programmer on, on staff was very senior said um, we could do that in three weeks um, possibly less if there's an urgency and so the independence. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point because uh, you know the, there was a pitch recently where they said uh, one of the big network agencies said they could have a full dashboard up and running within uh, two months, eight weeks, and I I know from personal experience it's now twelve months and the client still doesn't have the dashboard. There was <laughs> there was a dashboard presented late last year in a pitch presentation I was in. Mm. Um, the Agency was asked how long till this would be operating in Australia. It was presented as a, a sort of early form of the uh, the system, and they said four months. I then noticed that there were pound signs throughout um, the information, the detailed oh, information. So it was on UK the only. So it was a UK model that hadn't even been adapted to to have market. a working version in Australia with yeah. dollars. Yeah. So for them to say they could have it up and running in four months was incredibly optimistic and 12 months would have been far more lowly. Yeah. So look, you know, because this is interesting, going back to all these global pitches, you know, I'm wondering, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to hear some of the promises that are being made to secure these billions of dollars in media billings globally. And, you know, we'll probably be sitting here in 12 or you know, 12 months or two years' time and hearing about how disappointed the client is about none of those promises coming to fruition. If a lot of a lot of the promises that will be made around remuneration will be levels of remuneration for which you cannot possibly run a business in mm. Australia. The race to zero. Delivering yep. any sort of service. A lot of those conversations will be about 120-day trading terms. Right. Um, 
which on a slender margin in a small market like Australia would mean that any money you made would be eaten up by the interest you'd have to pay, given there is no flexibility in this marketplace for paying a meter and beyond 45 days. So there are a lot of challenges from the global pitches, all of which are swept aside in global analysis <laughs> that need to be faced day to day by agencies in Australia. Mm. And, and there are pitches recently when um, clients locally and agencies locally have had separate conversations to agree a level of remuneration that will need to be paid in addition to all the global deal to for the agency to have any chance of delivering a service with, mm. with that client with which that client is happy. Yeah, because uh, it seems to me that on a lot of these global deals, the economy of scale is never taken into consideration. You know, in the US, where a client may be spending you know five hundred million to a billion dollars on media, they do this deal that that nets out about two or three percent. But you come to the Australian market or Singapore or you know any of the other markets, and that spend is down at around ten million and it's still working on 2 to 3%, it just doesn't cut it, does it? It doesn't cut it. And if you're an agency that isn't taking a lot of the, um, the AVBs under the table, then you will be genuinely running business here at a loss if you're delivering anything that approaches a reasonable service. And, and then your regional finance director will be going, why can't you hit your numbers? <laughs> And there are some, and there are some agencies I know that are doing ex exactly that on mm. clients where there's a level of probity with regard to the numbers and what they can do, um, and they are on a global arrangement that doesn't doesn't cut it down here in Australia, and they are making a loss of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, in that context, because you know, I wouldn't mind taking some time now to talk about Calibrator specifically. Um, yeah, you know, you've been now Calibrator launched six months ago. Is that right? Yeah, the, the first survey was active April April first this year, Fool's Day. April first this year. Yeah. Um, April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, the first quarter is April to June two thousand and fifteen. So we're just um, in the second quarter now, July through September. So it's been up and running and active since April. Okay. So how? Have you found Calibrator is helping media agencies understand their offering and also how they're positioned in the marketplace? Well, the start point and the platform for any sort of dis informed discussion about where an agency is and where it might go next or how it can make more of its uh, positioning and product is understanding how it sits relative to other agencies. There are a lot of agency CEOs who will say, oh, we're the best in market, we do this best, we do that best. The truth is, um, that's their sales pitch. How they sit relative to other agencies is something they only have anecdotal feedback on. When you have a system like Cal Calibrator that goes out and looks in detail at 30 agencies in the marketplace, all of the agencies that have mainstream clients, and methodically goes through and scores them, against 32 criteria, some of which are analysed by up to eight questions and scoring criteria, then you have a really detailed framework that looks at everything they do and how well they do it. So in Calibrator, you have a system that will look at um, the systems that agencies have and score them on having good systems and then we'll score them further by having good systems they're using across their client base where appropriate, and then we'll score them 
further through having strong case studies of how those systems are working for those clients. So it's not just about what they've got, but it's about how well they use it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a live system. It's reviewed every quarter and agencies' scores will go up and down dependent on um, the products and services they're delivering and the business they're winning and how much noise they're making in the marketplace, what their profile is like. So it's uh, very much a, a living rather than a static assessment. But it's also in relation to what other their competitors are doing in the market, isn't it? If someone has a huge breakthrough or you know a big advancement in a particular area, everyone else is relative to that, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, you can't all be tens. No, no. The the agencies and the system looks at the average score for in Australia. There are thirty agencies for thirty agencies in Australia. There's a high range and a low range which define the parameters of how agencies score. Now, if you're an agency and you get scored in one quarter uh, and that's your profile and you do nothing to improve that, other agencies will improve. So you'll go back relatively. Mm. If you stand still, you will actually go backwards. So, so the high and low is sort of best practice, worst practice in a way, and then there's average practice yeah, and the, against, did you say 32 different criteria? 32 different criteria, so calibrator, means there are eight areas that are looked at and then within each of the eight areas there are four specific elements so of that area 32, that are, yeah. which makes four eights of 32 which makes so so from a marketer's point of view i mean for instance if calibrator was working globally this would uh, bring a totally different viewpoint to the uh, the what's the media the media palooza the uh, uh, media geddon they're calling it all these pictures wouldn't it it would. What it would do for a global marketer, it would be a true qualitative assessment of an agency network which understood the differences across different markets. There is a global positioning um, and there is a way in which that positioning is delivered within each of the main regions. And all of those agency groups have strengths and weaknesses. And what Calibrator would do is systematically look at those strengths and weaknesses and the global client would be able to understand where they exist. You're never going to get that truth from the agencies themselves. They're never going to profess to being weak in a market. They'll always talk about the markets they're strong in and hope that that reputation carries through in the markets where they're weaker. Because that's one of the things that you see in global pitches is that they'll pick the main market, usually the US or the UK or wherever the, the main head office of the client is, and then they'll cherry pick four or five markets. And the media agency network get selected on their strength in those areas. But, you know, it's very hard for any one network to be strong in, say, you know, 80 different markets, isn't it? It is. And, is, and then what you'll uh, often run into is local conflict as well, which needs to be managed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, conflict, of course. <laughs> which, which, um, which could come into play. And there are, there are key differences in, in terms of... Um, how well an agency is staffed and the skill set at a local level in delivering what may be um, a, a global product. You can have a great global positioning, great global systems if the people on the ground in a market aren't able to deliver that well relative to the other markets, then that will have a huge impact 
on how well they can perform in that market for your uh, for your global business for the team locally. So um, Calibrator will uh, sort of get beneath the skin of all of that, mm. um, and you know we've got interest from global media heads in understanding how their product delivers across the markets um, and the truth of it. They are never going to, if you're a global media head, you're never going to have a head of a country or a head of a region advising you they they think they're they're, uh, performing a little worse than other markets around the world. These things things within media agencies and within um, media groups are disguised rather than brought out into the open. because it is an individual self-interest. So Calibrator will help provide uh, an informed framework around all of that. And and uh, beyond pitching, uh, I imagine that uh, the media agency CEOs are finding it a useful tool for the, you know their own offering and, and assessing themselves against their competitors in a market, aren't they? Well, what we've found with the, with the first surveys is they are so detailed and so granular that even ordinary scoring has been accepted by the agency heads. Mm -hmm. In the face of something that goes down and drills down and analyzes in in the depth it does, it's very difficult to argue superficially against that. So in the early stages of Calibrated, we've found all of the agency groups have, have actually endorsed the scores we've gone in and said, here's our interpretation of how good you are across all of these areas. Um, and where they haven't been good, they've accepted that. Um, and they've actually used they've actually used the learnings from Calibrator and the relativity of where they are versus other agencies um, as a start point for looking at how they can improve their product or how they can package what they have better. Um, and investment decisions they might need to make. So they're holding a, it's holding a mirror up to the agency, but also showing them where they sit compared to the competitive set in their market. And because they're buying into it, you know, the, the scores are giving them real believable insight. They're able to then use that as a management tool of focusing their attentions on where they need to improve. Well, the meetings are done in a closed framework with the very senior, yeah. most people within an agency. So it's a time when they can let their guard down and they don't, they're not selling. Yeah. And there's a level of honesty that comes into the conversations. Um, and given that most of them don't have breadth of knowledge across the industry on where their competitors are, it's a learning curve for them. So they're actually understanding Mm. relatively where they sit. They might have a perception of it before, and then suddenly they they have a framework for real understanding of where they are. Yes, you can imagine when they all get together at their um, Media Federation Australia meetings, they're all big noting themselves. So this is probably giving them a uh, more realistic insight into what they're all really up to. I think they all go into those meetings in a very guarded fashion. So I don't think anyone talks frankly and openly (laughs) and honestly about how they're performing and uh, where their product is at. This this is um, a sort of really um, uh, sort of really confidential, closed and intimate discussion almost about um, their their agency. There's a level of truth that comes out very quickly, um, and as long as where they are strong, you recognise where they're strong, then they can accept the fact where they aren't strong that you know that's a, a genuine reflection mm-hmm. of their product. Um, and some of them. 
there has been some agency heads who have signed up to the system and have acknowledged that they don't feel at the moment, at this point in time, that they're going to perform particularly well, have seen how we've scored them relative to other agencies, and are using that to help try and get investment from the people who hold their purse strings for making the the decisions that are for pushing through the decisions that are required um, that have dollars attached in terms of getting better people on board or investing in the adaptation of global systems to make them work locally mm. so it, it's being used in a, a multitude of ways by agencies that are both performing well and performing badly the agencies that are performing best um, you're going in there and telling them that they're as good as they think they are um, so, you know, the, the system has obviously been embraced by them because it's formal recognition of the fact they have a good product. Yeah. One of the things that's, that's quite interesting, though, is um, the calibrated profile looks at how good an agency is. Now, there is a market perception of that agency, and there are some agencies where the market perception would be of a better profile than the reality oh, okay. yeah. and there are other agencies where the market perception would be of a smaller profile than exists so for some agencies it's about perpetuating the myth of how good they are um, by b being very high profile marketing themselves well uh, and and finding every opportunity to talk to the marketplace of clients about how good they are and for other agencies it's about recognizing they need to market themselves better they need to increase their profile they need to sell um, they need to sell better who they are and what they can deliver because there's potential there that's not being fulfilled that they need to ensure um, is, is is better better communicating mm. look that's uh, that's really fascinating Steve and uh, I'm afraid we've run out of time so um, Look, thank you, and uh, it's going to be interesting seeing how uh, all these media pitches land. Yeah, yes, it, it will be. Um, rest assured there'll be low levels of remuneration there, the global ones. Yes, yeah, it'll be cheaper and cheaper. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.